Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now let's join today's message. Good morning. Happy Pentecost Sunday, brothers and sisters in Christ. Today, I trust that as I preach, you will receive the teaching God has for you. As Jesus said in John 14, verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Father God, fill us with your Spirit. May each person receive the part of this message that is for them. May we each act on the prompting of your Spirit this Pentecost Sunday. Amen. So today we continue looking at the account of Jesus's life and ministry in Luke. Let's read where we've got up to. Luke chapter 4 verses 31 to 37. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So, Here we find Jesus back in Capernaum, the place where he had performed miracles before visiting his hometown of Nazareth that we looked at last week, where he was nearly flung off a cliff. Now, it is Sabbath again, so Jesus goes to synagogue, which, as we all know, is his custom. I really hope I made that point loud and clear last week. So here he is teaching in a synagogue. It was quite normal for visiting rabbis to be invited to teach in synagogues. And I think it's continuing evidence that at this point, early in his ministry, the religious leaders are interested to hear what he has to say. Now, we don't know what Jesus taught here in the synagogue in Capernaum because Luke has not told us. But what Luke does tell us is that Jesus's teaching was received with astonishment and that his word possessed authority. And then his authority is challenged because we learn that amongst the congregation is a demon-possessed man. Wait, let's just pause there. Where is Jesus? He's in the house of God, the synagogue. Who's there with him? 
a demon-possessed man. So what might we learn here? Demons can be found in the house of God. How long had that man been coming and going from synagogue afflicted by this demon? Now, of course, he too could have been a traveller just passing through, but most of the worshippers in a synagogue would be local regulars, just as we often find in church. So, here is a man under demonic influence who may be a regular, and I can't help wondering, was this demon-possessed man serving on the coffee rotor? Or the equivalent? It's incredible to think that unbeknown to others in the synagogue, he may have been coming and going for weeks, months or even years with this demon quietly, secretly tormenting him. Did others know? Possibly, but perhaps they didn't know what to do about it. Or the demon may have been completely silent and therefore not that evident for others to discern on the man. We see across the Gospels that demons are reactive to the presence of Jesus. They quickly become agitated and can't remain silent. Remember what I said last week about the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Last week's scripture told us that Jesus was walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, demons know that they're not able to win against Jesus. We can tell this even from the way the demon speaks to Jesus in this passage. But like a small, scrappy, dappy dog, they seem to insist on trying to start a fight. Let me at him! Let me at him! Knowing full well they can never win. You know, the presence of the Holy Spirit will agitate demons. Here in Capernaum, Jesus' teaching is rudely interrupted by a demon who can no longer stay silent. And what does he say? Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The Gospels always show us that demons know his name. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Demons recognise Jesus for who he is. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Demons know that he has the power to destroy them. Have you come to destroy us? I wonder if it's surprising to you to hear that in this story there is a demon inside the house of God. I think it happens more than we perhaps realise. The sad thing is that just like in this story, someone could be coming and going from a church on a regular basis, quietly and secretly tormented by a demon that no one knows about, including the person who has the demonic problem. So can a Christian be tormented by a demon? Yes. Can a Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit be indwelt by a demon? No, of course not. Because the spiritual space inside you is filled with God's spirit. If there's no vacancy, there's no room for a demon. In a Holy Spirit-filled Christian, the position has been filled. But that doesn't stop you hearing demonic ideas or temptations. Thoughts that you have to choose whether to accept or not. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. Now, the man in the synagogue with Jesus is described as demon-possessed. The word possessed gives us the idea of the man being owned by the demon. How did this happen? Well, I suspect that at some point the man may have submitted to the demon, maybe through habitually accepting and acting on the lies planted in his thoughts, or by consistently refusing to do what is right. These are just some ways we can open the door to the demonic activity that we can find in our lives. Ephesians 4 verse 27 says, Do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold is just the opening of the door, just a jar, just enough that the devil can plant his foot in to stop you completely closing the door on him. The door is then wedged open for demons to speak into your life. Living God's way is how we can keep that door completely closed. Ephesians 4 lists small misdemeanors that seem insignificant but might be giving the devil an opening, a foothold in your life. Things like telling a lie, any lie, refusing to let go of your anger, stealing and unwholesome talk. Ooh, how easy it is to give the devil a foothold, a small opening into our lives. This man in the synagogue had given the devil an opening and now a demon had moved in. That spiritual space inside that should belong to God filled instead with a demon. This is not horror movie stuff. Please don't be afraid. There will be no head spinning. But I want you to be aware that this sort of stuff is in everyday life, whether you see it or not. This is why when I see in my life things that are beginning to look a bit rubbish, I rebuke the enemy. Just a bit rubbish will get me going. If I have a bad dream or if I feel physically unwell or if I can't stop worrying about something, I rebuke the enemy. I tell him off. Why? Because everything is spiritual. There isn't a separation between the physical and spiritual in the Christian's life. If the thing that is afflicting you makes life darker, send the darkness away. Colossians 1 verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Anyway, From today's scripture, we can see that even in the house of God, demons may be quietly hanging around amongst us. However, in my experience, when the Holy Spirit is present and moving, then the demons cannot stay quiet and they expose themselves because the presence of the Holy Spirit will agitate demons. It has happened at Hope Church and I have witnessed it in bigger worship conferences It can often start by a sound that's imitating worship, but then it becomes disruptive. If you're spiritually tuned in, you would possibly spot it right at the beginning as a bit different. To recognise a false spirit takes the experience of the real move of the Holy Spirit, because you can only tell a fake 
when you know the real thing. 1 John 5 verses 19 to 20 says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Did you know that experts in forged monetary notes are actually trained by studying the real notes? Because there can be many variations within forgeries, but the real thing is the real thing. And if you get to know the real thing, you will be able to spot a fake. A forgery may look like the real thing on the surface at first, but on closer inspection, he will miss the mark. 1 John 4 verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So, my advice, if you want to be more spiritually aware, if you want to know the difference between the demonic and a move of the Holy Spirit, get to know what the real Holy Spirit in people looks and sounds like. Get to know him better by living your own life filled and led by the Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day that the Holy Spirit came in power upon Jesus's followers. We sometimes call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the day that they were immersed in his Spirit and then they came out in power. Make today your Pentecost Sunday and invite God's Holy Spirit to come and fill you in power today. You know, there's no room in your spirit for a demon to be hidden in a corner when Jesus by his Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. The demon could never stay. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20, and I'm reading from the Amplified, says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? and that you are not your own property. You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. Rest assured, you cannot be possessed by a demon and by God. You become God's possession, God's property when you give your life to Jesus and invite him to dwell in you through his Holy Spirit. If you want to be full of the powerful infilling of the Holy Spirit, just ask God. This is what Jesus said about asking for things. Matthew 7 verses 7 to 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? He's not going to give you something bad if you ask for something good. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, that's what you're going to get. This applies, this section applies to many things, but it includes asking God for the infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, a baptism soaks you. You know, the word baptism means to dunk underwater, like when you're doing the washing up. You actually baptise your dirty cups. Jesus baptises you with his spirit and you become soaked in the Holy Spirit. All that demonic residue from bad choices is washed away from you inside and out. 
You are a clean, empty vessel that he then fills with his living water to be equipped to go in power to pour out his spirit into other people's lives, which, by the way, is the purpose of the baptism of his Holy Spirit. And that's why we need continually refilling an experience of a tangible, refreshing, cleansing and filling from the Holy Spirit is great. But then, as you go back into daily, ordinary life, you will still have choices to make. To agree with thoughts that arrive in your mind or live every day with the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 to 16 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Spirit-filled brothers and sisters, We have the mind of Christ. We can discern spiritual things. Anyway, let's go back to the story in Luke 4. The demon calls out to Jesus, and what does Jesus do? Let's read it. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. Jesus deals with it calmly and simply. There's no drama. He just tells the demon, be silent and come out of him. Make no mistake, when Jesus commands, a demon has no choice but to obey him. Because Jesus trumps all demonic power. Again, this story happens early in the days of Jesus' ministry. Remember, he hasn't won the victory at the cross yet. But Jesus is drenched in the Holy Spirit. And the demon cannot withstand it. The presence of the Holy Spirit will agitate demons. And please notice, despite throwing the man to the ground, the demon is said to have come out of him, having done him no harm. The man is set free and is fully restored with no harm to his physical or mental well-being. You know, once someone is delivered of demonic, demonic sorry, oppression, it is finished. I see no evidence in scripture for someone to limp away from demonic encounters. So don't let the devil whisper those lies back into your mind about being damaged goods. God transforms your mind through the work of his Holy Spirit. You need to be fully immersed and filled with the Holy Spirit to live out the Christian life to the full. And to recognise the lies of the enemy, you need to be able to distinguish between the spirits. And we call that discernment. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You can ask God for the gift of discernment to know one spirit from another and to avoid living in ignorance of the spiritual around you. So let's pause for a moment now and let's ask God to pour his spirit on us right now, this Pentecost Sunday. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for the gift of the indwelling and covering of your Holy Spirit. 
I submit everything to you, mighty living God, and I ask for a fresh anointing from your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way with me. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Wake me up. Help me to see with the eyes of discernment. Empower me to live out my best Christian life here and now, every day. May miracles surround me. May the spiritual become normal and everyday life to me. For I belong to you. I am the precious possession of the living God, bought by the blood of Christ, and as such, I am untouchable by the evil one. Amen. And here is that promise from Scripture, 1 John 5, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. You are born of God, so keep yourself. You know, I think that means self-control, take control of those thoughts, (laughs) have control over your actions, and the wicked one does not touch you. That's how you keep the door to the devil closed. Right, I am not finished and I'm so excited to share the last part of this message with you that I don't want you to miss it. So right now, stretch your arms out, up above your head, then out to the side and shake them, shake your head even as you bring it all back in again, just to get that blood flowing all over again. Okay, let's go back to today's scripture. Where were we? A demon-possessed man was set free with no harm, and here's what happened next. And they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. What did they say to each other? What is this word? This is a really interesting turn of phrase and is actually used in several translations. The word used for word here is logos. The people are perhaps trying to ask, what is this teaching? But the literal words written here in the Greek are, what is this word? Logos. John 1 verse 1 starts this way. In the beginning was the word, logos, and the word Logos was with God and the word Logos was God. The Greek used for word here in John 1 is Logos and make no mistake this passage is directly describing Jesus. You see Jesus is the Logos of God and Logos literally means word, message and reason. Jesus is the reason of God. The dictionary definition of the word reason is a cause, explanation or justification for an action or event. You see, Jesus was here for an action. The event of his death would cause humanity to be able to be reunited into proper relationship with Almighty God. Jesus is the justification for our inherent sin. He makes us right where Adam made us wrong. Jesus justifies us just as if I'd never sinned. Jesus is the expression and explanation of God's love for the world. Reason. 
a cause, explanation or justification for an action or event. And logos is the root of the English word logic. Some people try to grasp Jesus, the logos of God, with logic alone. And you know what? If you do that, if you try to grasp Jesus with just logic alone, you will still find him. You know, there are many men throughout history who have tried to disprove Jesus's claims using logic, and each one of them became a Christian. Just in the last hundred years or so, here are some names. Josh McDowell, Lee, McDowell, sorry, Lee Strobel, C.S. Lewis, J. Warner Wallace, and of course, right back in time, there's Paul the Apostle, just to name a few. But actually, there are many, many, many others. Do you know that each of these men set out to find fault with the gospel? But when they found Jesus to be true in all he said and did, they not only gave him their lives, but they then dedicated their lives to apologetics. And that's not apologising for God. It's explaining God in ways that speak to an unbeliever's biggest questions. I've spent the whole first half of this message talking about how everything is spiritual and that the Holy Spirit will bring you discernment, which is an ability to recognise spiritual stuff. So it might surprise you to hear that actually, if you truly look for Jesus, I strongly believe you will find him through logic too. The truth of Jesus as the redemptive son of God stands up to the strongest scrutiny. J. Warner Wallace used his skills from many years as a homicide detective to investigate the validity of the eyewitness reports around Jesus. He was so impressed by their validity, he gave his life to Jesus. Lee Strobel used his skills as an investigative journalist to scrutinise the claims of Christianity. He planned to expose how foolish we all are. But the book he eventually wrote was called The Case for Christ because he realised there was too much evidence for Jesus being everything we say he is. Josh McDowell was a pre-law student when he decided to intellectually examine the claims of Christianity. He became a Christian and went in another educational direction, graduating with a Master of Divinity. And C.S. Lewis, he was an atheist professor at Oxford University. Now, through both his readings of Christian and atheist literature, and through his good friendship with J.R.R. Tolkien, who he talked to a lot, he said the arguments that were his obstacles to faith were one by one removed. C.S. Lewis described a day when he was riding a bus in Oxford and he had the sense that he was holding something at bay or shutting something out. He realised he could either open the door or let it stay shut. He also knew that to open the door meant the incalculable. C.S. Lewis opened that door and he let Christ into his heart in 1930. Imagine if he hadn't taken that incalculable risk. We would not have the Chronicles of Narnia and the Screwtape Letters and so many more fantastic writings. And I think he would have just been one of many forgotten professors to pass through Oxford and Cambridge. Yet, of all the names I quoted to you earlier, C.S. Lewis is the one name I'm sure you all recognise because the impact of Christ in his life has rippled away from him to impact every one of us in some way or other. 
Jesus is Logos. You can find him to be your Lord through earnest, logical investigation. And you can find him through the Holy Spirit unveiling your eyes. You know, the only way you won't find him is when you lie to yourself because you can't face the incalculable risk of following him and having to let go of some of your own thoughts and beliefs. So are you holding God at bay? Are you already aware of the truth of Jesus but just can't face opening the door yet? Do you know what isn't logic? Knowing something is true but living as if it isn't. You know, it's not logical to jump off a tall building and expect to fly because you know you are human so you can't fly without the aid of equipment. It's not logical to shut out the truth just because it might be inconvenient or take some more thought to work out what to do now. It's not logical to believe that Jesus is your saviour and not open yourself up to his salvation. Pay attention to Jesus's words in Revelation 3 verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Open the door to Jesus and he will come in and hang out with you. Eating together is something enjoyable, comfortable and brings daily sustenance. Newsflash, a relationship with Jesus is satisfying. It's not going to give you indigestion. It's an enjoyable meal with so many puddings, like eternal life and gifts of the spirit. And you can have all the puddings at the same time. If, like C.S. Lewis, you have realised today that you've been holding something at bay or shutting something out, you can open that door today. Just pray this prayer with me now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Today I open the door and invite you into my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. Well, what a better day to have opened the door to Jesus in your life than Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church. The day that God empowered the followers of Jesus with his Holy Spirit. The story that we worked through today from Luke 4 was all about Jesus taking authority over the demon that manifested in his presence. And we have the authority to do that in Jesus' name too. Let's jump ahead in Luke a few chapters and read what Jesus said about that. Luke 10 verse 19 to 20. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So, if you have finally opened that door to Christ today, know this. That is actually the most awesome thing that has been spoken about today. Yes, Christian brothers and sisters, we do have the power over demons and all the power of the enemy. But better than that, 
our future is secure. And no matter how much trouble we might have to deal with here on earth, our names are written on the entry list to heaven's gates. And when this long day on earth is over, we get to spend eternity without pain, tears, hunger, or any other worrisome obstacle that plagues our current faith walk. So today, we learned simply this. Your heart, your heart has a door, and you are the doorman. So keep the door closed to the devil and open the door to Jesus. Then you will be winning at this game of life. Let me close with this quote from Philippians as a prayer over each and every one of you. Philippians 1 verse 9 to 10. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Amen.